Thanks for joining us for this inspirational teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith, Senior Pastor of City of Life Church. For more information on City of Life, visit www.col.tv. Let's join the service already in progress. Turn with me on Easter Sunday to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. I couldn't be more excited about a text today uh, because I believe there is so much packed into this that we can leave with today. And I believe it can make a lasting impact on our lives. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. We're going to have it on the screens uh, if you don't have your Bible with you. It says this, praise be to the God. First of all, I'm expecting, I don't know if you're Catholic, if you grew up Catholic or you grew up in the little church down the street or whatever. I don't know if you don't say amen in your church. I'm going to tell you something right now. We say amen in this joker. And on Easter, we say hallelujah, gloria a Dios, uh, la presencia del Señor está aquí a este momento. We say all that kind of stuff on Sunday morning. We, we, we're going to praise the Lord on Easter Sunday morning and we're going to make some noise. So look at, jab somebody next to you say, get with it today because it's Easter. It's time to turn it to another level today. We're going to have some fun up in here today when we're reading the Bible and we're getting excited about these things. I expect to see some preacher, white boy, hallelujah, whatever you got to come up with. You go for it today because this is Easter, okay? So praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I have a message today for you that is called a living hope, a living Hope. Father, thank you so much for every person in this room on Easter Sunday. I pray, Lord, that in these next few minutes that we would be able to wrap our hearts around your word. And, Lord, that you would just change our hearts from the inside out. Allow us to honor you every day of our lives the way we're honoring you here today. And I just pray, God, that uh, you'd help me to del deliver this in a way that honors Jesus and honors heaven. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, in 2003, uh, my wife and I, we'd only been married for a couple years, and we went to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play the Indianapolis Colts at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa uh, on a Monday night. And the game was fantastic. We, we are Cowboys fans, but we also like the Bucks too, especially when the Bucks are doing good. Uh, and, and we were over there. <laughs> and we're one of those fair weather fans, I think, a little bit when it comes to the Bucks. But we were over there that night. Was, it was a beautiful night, uh, so much fun. And the Bucks were winning that game, and, and they were up. And it was, it was like kind of the ultimate situation. They were up 35 to 14 in that game with only five minutes left in the game. Now, I know... A lot about football and if you know me or have been around me much I talk about football a lot it's like one of my favorite things in the world so I noticed all the Colts fans were leaving uh, the stadium and I thought well I mean these guys are all leaving I mean we live over in you know St. Cloud so that's kind of a little trip it was already nearly midnight 
And so I turned over to Aim and I said, I said, babe, let's go ahead and go. She goes, but the game's not over. And I said, well, I know, darling. I said, but the game is over. It's not really over, but theoretically it's over. I said, she goes, but what if, you know, what if they came back or something? She's like, it's Peyton Manning. I'm like, babe, listen, I've been watching football my whole life. I was like, it's 35 to 14. I mean, you, you, in, in order for him to come back, that would have to be the literal greatest comeback in the history of the NFL. It's not going to happen. She's like, okay. So we start, you know, walking out of the stadium and uh, I, I, I go up the stairs and we get to the escalator and go down. All of a sudden I hear, ah! So I turn to somebody that's near me. I go, hey, what, what, what just happened in there? They go, oh, Peyton Manning threw a touchdown. And I'm, I'm like, oh, and she looks at me. She's like, and I'm like, well, babe, they're still winning by 14 with like three minutes to go. So we get down and we get to the parking lot. I'm walking to my car. I go to get in my car and I hear, ah! And some guy with a Colts jersey on is sitting over there like this. And I, I go, hey, what are you jumping for? And he goes, Peyton Manning just threw another touchdown. Uh, only down by seven. I'm like, yeah, but there's only 60 seconds left in the game. So we get in our car, we're driving off, we get to the exit of the stadium, and I can hear the stadium, and I yell at some guy on the street, I'm like, hey, what just happened? And he's like, Peyton Manning threw another touchdown, we're tied, going into overtime. I'm like, so we start driving back, I'm on I-4, now we're listening to it on the radio, and I have to listen to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning wins the game. The Colts win the game. And Amy literally looks at me in classic form and goes, I told you. <laughs> I thought it was interesting in this, in this moment of my life, as I'm watching these Colts fans dejected, leaving, and then I'm noticing the energy that some of them feel as I'm making my way to the car. And it was it's interesting how impossible started becoming possible for them. Something that, and, and you know, by the way, I did look it up. That is the great, that's the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL within five minutes of the game. That was the number one, that was the number one game in history that no one had ever been down with five minutes left in the game, 21 points, and came back and won the game. So they started looking at an impossible situation, and slowly, based on the evidence, their hope began to, to rise. And it's interesting that that's how regular hope works. Regular everyday hope is really based primarily on what we see. When circumstances improve, our hope improves. And ordinary hope, if you're here today and you've been living off of ordinary hope, I'd just like to tell you that ordinary hope is not really a way to express our certainty of something. In fact, ordinary hope many times is a way to express our uncertainty with something. Have you ever noticed that people say things like, I hope it doesn't rain today? What does that mean? It means I'm a little worried it's going to rain. And I hope it doesn't rain. I hope I get the promotion. What are they saying? And I maybe feel like I might not get it, but I'm hoping, fingers crossed, I'm hoping that I get it. I hope the magic beat the Raptors. <laughs> That's probably not going to happen, but I'm hoping it will. I'm hoping will. They gave away home court advantage. What's going on? This is, come on, guys. Our text here, 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the, God, to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. Listen, church. Into a living hope. Not just into hope, but into a, say it with me, into a living hope through what? Through the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead has given us birth into a living hope. So how does ordinary hope differ from living hope? Ordinary hope is actually, as I said, a way to express your uncertainty, but living hope is a way to express our certainty. That word hope in the Bible, elpis, means a confident expectation, a confident expectation that something good is going to happen. Look at somebody next to you and say, man, you look good. Come on, tell them, say, man, you look good. Tell them, say, don't think I haven't noticed. But now look at them again and say, I'm confident. Come on, look at them right in the eye and say, I'm confident that something good is going to happen. Look at the person on the other side, say, I'm sorry for ignoring you on Easter Sunday. But tell them, say, I'm confident something good is going to happen. Can I get a praise the Lord or a glory adios or a hallelujah today from somebody? Come on. We got a living hope today. Jesus came out of that grave. He took our sin and our shame to the grave and he predicted that on the third day that he would rise again. He laid his life down on his own accord and the Bible says that he took it up again on his own accord as well. And when he came out of that grave, it gave us a living hope. And if someone does not know Jesus, they can't have a living hope. All they can have is ordinary, everyday hope. When we look at John chapter 20, we read the story. It says, early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. His name is John. Breathlessly panting, they took the master from the tomb. She said, we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stopping to look in, he saw pieces of linen cloth lying there. But he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, observed the linen cloth lying there, and the kerchief used to cover his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who had gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence, and believed. Now listen, this is incredible right here. No one yet knew from the scriptures that he had to rise from the dead. The disciples went back home. These guys are so disoriented from the process of what happened on Friday, Jesus being crucified and being put in the grave, that they have forgotten that Jesus just a few days ago predicted with accuracy. He said, we're about to go to Jerusalem. The chief scribes and Pharisees are going to... Uh, they're going to try me, they're going to flog me, they're going to crucify me, and they're going to bury me, and on the third day, I'm going to rise. Yeah. They, they were so disoriented. Has life ever kind of just knocked the wind out of you where you feel like you can't get your bearings? That's what these guys are going through. Even Mary Magdalene is here. says she stood outside the tomb weeping. And I'd like to tell you that today. When you only have ordinary hope, your, your, your happiness begins to fluctuate. She's weeping in this moment, and she's sad. You know, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but, uh, but longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And it says, as she wept, she knelt to look in the tomb and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white, one at the head, the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, woman, why do you weep? She said, they took my master, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Isn't that interesting that when you operate out of ordinary hope, sometimes you miss the miracle that's standing right in front of you. You can't even see that, that he's here. 
He's right there with you. You just don't see him. She thought he was the gardener. That's the ultimate mistake of all time. She said, mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. And you know what he did? He spoke her name, Mary. That's all he really said to her. She turned to him and said, teacher. And he said, don't cling to me for I have not ascended to the father. Go to my brothers and tell them I ascend to my father and your father, my God and your God. One time I, Jude was little and we were in the store and he kind of walked off somewhere looking at some stuff and I didn't know where he was. And he was just about three, four years old and I didn't know where he was. I started looking for him. I, I, I started freaking out. I, I got sad. I got scared. All these feelings that come over you when you don't know where your kid is. And as I was looking, I heard something from behind me. He said, Daddy, he called me from behind. And just that name, that he, when he spoke my name, hearing him speak my name, brought me peace. It brought me joy. It brought, I wanted to whip his tail, but it brought me happiness. You know that feeling that when you find your kid, you actually want to hurt them first to let them know how much you love them? Uh, but he spoke, that, he spoke that, that name, Daddy, and when he said that name, just peace. And, and that's what Jesus does to Mary. He just speaks her name. And God wants to speak your name today if you're sad. If, you're, if you have sadness in your life, you've been living on ordinary hope. He wants to just say your name and let you know, hey, you missed me a minute ago. I've been standing here the whole time. Now look at me and recognize me for who I am. And so, so then we go on. It says, she went back and told the disciples. I saw the master. And she told him everything. And it, it says, later that day, the disciples gathered together, but fearful of the Jews had locked all the doors in their house. These are the disciples, the apostles. They're locked in a room afraid. They're afraid of the political atmosphere that's going on, that they killed their master and now they're going to come after them. So rather than having hope, anticipating what's coming, they're fearful locked in a room. And in ordinary hope, if you're living off of ordinary hope, you can start living in fear. You can get afraid. Nothing is worse than being gripped in fear. Fear creates mental scenarios where we experience the pain of trauma even though that trauma hasn't occurred yet. So that's what they're going through. They're in this room fearful, and I love it. Jesus walks in among them and says, peace to you. Can I tell you something? If you've been living off of ordinary hope today, Jesus wants to say peace to you today. He wants you to have peace in your spirit, peace in your heart today. Then he showed him his hands inside, and he said, peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I sent you. And it says down on in the story, but Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, wasn't with them when he came. And the other disciples told him, we saw the master. He said, unless I see the nail holes in, my, in his hands, put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand on his side, I won't believe it. That's another thing that ordinary hope will, will do. Ordinary hope will make you actually question what you believe in your darkest moments. You'll start becoming doubting, even though deep down inside, Thomas was a believer. He gets a bad rap for being called Doubting Thomas. We act like he's the only person that's ever doubted. Is there one person in this room today who has never doubted? No, we've all had doubts in our life. And he finds him, Jesus finds him in his situation rather than coming to him and pointing at him and saying, how dare you? You know what he does? It says eight days later when the disciples were again in the room, this time Thomas was with them, Jesus came through the locked doors. They still haven't figured out the locked doors thing yet. He stood among them and said, Peter. Peace to you, once again, what he said before. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. I love that about Jesus. If you're here today and you're struggling because you're living in ordinary hope, maybe you have some doubts in your life. You know what Jesus is going to tell you today? Examine me. I'm right here today. I'm right with you. If you've got doubts, I don't want you to worry about your doubts and feel bad about them. I want to soothe your doubts today. And I want you to know that I love you. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Reach out and touch me. Feel my heart. Sense who I am today. Sense that I'm for you. Get this message in your spirit, in your soul, in your heart today. And I, I just, I don't want us to live 
with ordinary hope. We don't have to live with ordinary hope. Why? Because our text scripture tells us because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we can have a living hope. In the Old Testament, they had ordinary hope. Why? They didn't even have a Messiah. They had to have hope to believe that Jesus would even be born someday. In the three days between Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning when Jesus rose from that grave, there was this question mark. They had ordinary hope. They didn't have a living hope because Jesus was not yet raised yet. But you and I have the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that gives us a hope that cannot be shaken. Hope is alive today. We have a living hope. And you know, Jesus' appearances are not just something that the Bible talks about. They're a part of history. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to the disciples without Thomas. He appeared to the disciples with Thomas. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he appeared to over 500 people at one time. He appeared to James, then to the rest of the apostles. He appeared to the two men, on the, on, or the disciples on the road to, Demaeus, or to Emmaus. Jesus, it's a part of history. We can have confidence, confidence in a resurrected Jesus. The resurrection gives us confident expectation that something good is going to happen. He rose out of that grave and our living hope rose with him. In 2016, I was watching the Dallas Cowboys play the Philadelphia Eagles with my dad at home. And we had a rookie quarterback named Dak Prescott. The Cowboys were losing 23-13. to and I was frustrated, and I looked over at my dad. We had just had some food, and we had a big party at the house. It was just our family. And I just said, Dad, this guy stinks. I said, he's terrible. He's going to ruin our franchise. And, and, and I, I was so upset. And my dad looked at me, and he said, I believe in him. I thought, hmm. He believes in him. What does that mean? He believes in him. He's barely even done anything, and he believes in him. And all of a sudden, I said, well, okay, well, let me just kind of watch what's going on. I mean, we're losing. It's, it's the end of the game. We're down by 10 points. All of a sudden, things start changing a little bit. He drives us down the field, and we kick a field goal. Now we're only down by seven. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I looked over at my dad, and my dad winked at me. And then all of a sudden, we get the ball back, and he throws a 22-yard touchdown pass to Des Bryant. And now the game is tied. And I look over at my dad, and he winks at me. And I'm thinking, he believes in him. I feel like a Dak Prescott atheist right now because I'm not sure if I do. He believes in him because we're in overtime and I'm complaining, how can this rookie lead us back in overtime? And all of a sudden in overtime, he drives us down the field and in overtime throws a five-yard touchdown pass to Jason Witten. I went crazy. I looked over at my dad and he winks at me once more. And he said, I told you. And I, I said, man, I got to admit, that was a really good call, Dad. I said, I've, I've, he, he looks like he's going to be great. He goes, come here, let me show you something. And I walked over to him, and I walk, when I walked over to my dad, he took his phone and turned it up at me, and someone had texted him an hour prior the final score of the game. We had been watching the game, and it had been paused because we ate dinner. The game had been paused on direct TV. And when I was frustrated and he looked over at me and said, I believe in him. You said, I believe in him to me. He said, I believe in him. He knew. I was worried every time something went wrong. I was worried. But you know what? 
My dad had a confident expectation that something good was going to happen because he knew the outcome in advance. That is what a living hope will do for you. We already know that Jesus has risen from the grave. So when something goes wrong in our life, we do not lose hope as people who have no hope. We know he is alive. Therefore... sit back down. Don't look at the scoreboard. You don't have to worry about trials. You don't have to worry about tribulations. Romans 12 says rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Psalm 39 says, and now, O Lord, for what do I wait? Await. My hope is in you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. There are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Rise up today the way Jesus rose up. Rise up in your living hope. We hope you enjoyed this teaching by Pastor Jeffrey Smith. You can be a part of what God is doing here at City of Life by clicking give at www.col.tv or by texting a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Thanks for joining us.